you want to see the Mod 5 in action, well now you can. Here's some upcoming dates. On August the 31st, I'll be in Hamburg, Germany as part of the Progress Wrestling Tour. Tickets and information available at progresswrestling.com. On the 1st of September, I'll be in Oberhausen, Germany once again for the Progress Wrestling Tour. Tickets available at progresswrestling.com. September the 6th, I'll be in the Fusion Nightclub Liverpool for TNT Extreme Wrestling. Tickets and information available at tntextremewrestling.co.uk. Saturday the 8th of September, I will be at the King's Oak Academy Bristol for Pro Wrestling Chaos. Tickets and information available at ringsideworld.co.uk. Friday, September the 14th, I'll be at the Forest Town Arena, Nottingham, for Hope Wrestling. Tickets and information available at hopewrestling.co.uk. Sunday, September the 16th, at 11am, I'll be hosting a live wrestling friends event at the Burning Hammer Film Festival. Bethnal Green, London. Tickets and information available at eventbrite.co.uk. September the 19th, I'll be at the Dome Tufnell Green, London, for Attack Pro Wrestling's London debut. Tickets and information available at attackprowrestling.bigcartel.com. And September the 30th, I'll be at Wembley Arena, London, for Progress Wrestling's biggest ever event. Tickets and information available at progresswrestling.com. So be sure to come out, support the boys and girls and the rest of British wrestling, as each week we tear it apart. Hey everyone and welcome to yet another episode of Morgan Webster's Wrestling Friends. It's a little late this week, um, I have no excuse, I just generally forgot what day it was and uh, realised that I hadn't recorded it and thought that I had another day before it was Thursday. But it's not, it's Friday, or if it's Saturday or Sunday, or whatever day you listen to, but this has officially gone up on Friday, which is rare for me. But I am flying up to Germany this afternoon uh, ready for Progress Wrestling's tour, so hopefully, like me, you're travelling around, and this can give you a little bit of enjoyment, but yeah, uh, welcome to yet another episode of Morgan Webster's Wrestling Friends. Of course, as always, I am the mod father of British Wrestling, Flash Morgan Webster, or more importantly than that, for the next 45 minutes, to the hour, to the hour and a half, however long this conversation, with the wonderful Amir Jordan, trust me, his story's absolutely cracking. I will be your host, was I to see it? facilitator for all these chats, discussions, gatherings. You know me, absolutely love that word, gatherings, with your wrestling favourites. Or as I like to see it, my wrestling friends. This podcast does keep you free of charge most weeks, and I'm able to uh, do that thanks to our sponsors, pinsandknucklesmerch.com. If you're looking for t-shirts, embroidery, printing, flags, subliminal printing, anything, stag do's, merchandise, band t-shirts, drum skins, literally, you need it and they're looking to get it done. I use them for all my t-shirts, they come pre-packed, I get free stickers of every order, and if you use the promo code FLASH this month, you'll also get a few free t-shirts, depending on how many you order. So 25 you get 5, 50 you get 10, and so on, and so on. But yeah, can't do fair now, use the promo code FLASH, or email them and say that I sent you. It's absolutely brilliant, but yeah, big thanks to them, because of them we're able to keep this podcast free most weeks, and uh, I guess that's great because you lot seem to be downloading it and listening to it, so big thanks to them. Maybe go support them. 
of course, I do understand that maybe not uh, all of you need anything from Pins and Knuckles merch. Maybe you don't have needs for that, but you do want to still help the podcast. Of course, you can head over to mogulwebs.bigcartel.com and pick up uh, my brand new yellow submachine t-shirts. I also have some prints over there. Unfortunately, the dolls are now sold out. The rest of them will be going out tomorrow or today. Whichever one is Friday, they'll be going out. But big thanks to everyone there. They sold out pretty quickly. So big thanks to everyone who did that. Uh, of course, I do understand that not everyone can afford to uh, buy merch. And uh, times are hard. I understand that. So I appreciate it greatly that people are able to do that. But if you can't, then uh, maybe just give me a cheeky shout out on the social media. Rate, subscribe, review on iTunes or do any of that. But on the social media, I am at Flash underscore Morgan on the Twitter. I am Facebook.com forward slash Flash Morgan Webster on the Facebook. I am at Flash Morgan Webster on the Instagram. And if you do want to book me for any upcoming seminars, gigs, events, anything like that, or maybe you're live wrestling friends. I've got one coming up with Burning Hammer. Then uh, all that can be done at the email, which is flashmorgan at live.co.uk. As I've said, we've got a wonderful episode with Amir Jordan this week. Um, it really is a cracking episode. I think we go a good 20, 25 minutes before we even mention wrestling, which he said to me, like, Blumenel, like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. And I was like, no, don't apologize at all. Um, these are great because I don't sit down and want to have a an in-depth discussion or an interview with somebody on their wrestling. I literally want to talk to them to get to know me. Yeah, of course, wrestling is the reason that we come together. And of course, it will be the thing that weaves in and out the stories. But if you've got an interesting story about how you came to this country, like Amir Jordan has, then tell me the story. Be yourself. And that's why I absolutely love. I love the fact that Keith Myatt's one last week was the majority of it was him talking about wrestling and how he's been in the business 30 years. So I understood that the majority of his story was going to be about wrestling. Whereas me, Jones, only three years in, the guy has been signed by the WWE and his story to, to get in there is absolutely marvellous. And it's a real testament to how much he wanted it and how he's wanted to take calculus to get there. Apologies, there's a train going by and uh, I got a bit distracted. But yeah, absolutely cracking story. I'm not going to give too much away, but I think you're in for uh, a great episode. Uh, as for my week in review, uh, not much to say really apart from I took a few sessions off. I was supposed to be at attack last week and I didn't do it because of my shoulder. I have been medically cleared with advisories by the WWE. So we're hoping to get this shoulder properly looked at. Are they MRI? No, uh, no tears. No tears uh, on there, but they do need to check the uh, the labrum repair that I had. Hopefully, it comes back fully clear. And uh, I'm just waiting on the MRI for that now. But, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm clear with advisories, so all the dates you heard at the start of the podcast will stand. But, yeah, some great time down at uh, NXT UK. Uh, there's an absolutely amazing match with Pete Dunne and John Devlin. Why wouldn't it be amazing? So look out for that when NXT hits your screens in whatever capacity it does. But, yeah, learning lots along along with my friends. I'm having a good time, and we're getting to uh, live the dream. So, yeah, big thanks to uh, to everyone who came out to WWE NXT UK this weekend because it was an absolute blast. So, uh, yeah, I think that really is my week in review. I've just been rehabbing the shoulder. I've been real careful with it, and I've got to go pack now ready for uh, progress wrestling, going to Germany. Because, like always, I've left everything to the last minute. So, uh, yeah, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Or as a cork, and it really is. 
a cork of an episode with the wonderful Amir Jordan. Enjoy, folks. Are you a gaming fan? Nah. No, I don't know. I used to play like before. When we got like a computer, we got like FIFA 2001. <laughs> that is a long we time got, ago. We got FIFA 2001, Midtown and Madness 2. I, know, I don't even know what that is. I don't know. It's like some Microsoft racing game. But we got it free with a computer that we got. So. Computer, not, not console. Nah, nah, nah. Never had consoles, man. My dad was old school, bro. You shut up, you come home, you do your homework, you eat at the table, everyone has their own designated seats at the table. That's nice though. You go to mosque, yeah, it was nice. You go to mosque, you come home, you fucking go to sleep. That's what well, I like that, see, because we used to eat in front of the TV, and it was nice that was. We never rarely sat in front of the TV, man. Not during the week. I'm joined here today by Amir Jordan. How's it going, man? You good? started already. Let's go anyway. No, that's good. I'm good to go. I think it links in quite nicely because we talked about the gaming stuff, and we are. Here you know on the weekend, the Insomnia, Insomnia Gaming, Gaming Festival, Festival with yeah, NXT UK. NXT UK. Which will go. This will go out Wednesday or Thursday, depending yeah. on when I just drop it whenever. Now I used to give myself real strict days. Nah, but don't you put it up like will you interview someone and it's up the next week? Sometimes dep- de- depends on if I. Sometimes I'll I'll have three people in in a week. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and that's brilliant because that means then I've got three weeks worth of I stuff. I bet you're going to get bare people this weekend. I hope so. I hope so because I feel that. I mean, if you're getting I, me I, this weekend, you know what? You're I, definitely sh- <laughs> I, sh- I should have. I should have got loads of people on the US tour, and I didn't. Mainly yeah. because every uh, every day I would go. I'm going to get some today, and then be like, oh, I could go to New York, or I could go to Brooklyn. Oh, I could go see the. Oh yeah, or I could go see Home Alone House. How sick is New York, bro? See, do you know what? Seattle was the one for me. Oh, yeah? I never yeah, went to Seattle. Seattle I lived man. in New York. For I like... You live... Yeah. Really? Proper podcast now. Oh, this is great. Yeah, man. This is proper life. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. I spent... Um, when I finished uni, Bradford Uni Massive Marketing, BSC 2-2, innit? Um, <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I was looking for jobs, like, locally, and it's just not happening, because no one's going to hire two to Like, I had, like, six years working at Tesco on a till, and, like, I was working in... Mar- like, I had my marketing degree. And then it was my sister that told me about some internship program. It's called the Mountbatten Institute. They've got like a website and everything. They've got an office down Mount in London. Batten. Yeah, it's called that. the Mountbatten Internship Program. Okay. They still run it. Um, and basically, like, she pointed me into the direction. I went on the website and checked out all the stuff. And it basically was one year working for like a big bank in New York internship. You get paid like, I think like after bills and everything, disposable because they cover like a lot of the travel expenses. But I got like a thousand dollars a month, which Whilst not great, but it's all disposable income. Because oh, everything else is covered. Yeah, and then you go, wow. you actually go as a student because, like, um, I did like a postgraduate diploma as well, which counts as like a third of a master's. But like, you end up the reason why you get your visa is as a student, but but you have to pay tuition fees. But so like, you pay like, I ended up having to save like six six grand or something during that six or seven months, which involved doing like three jobs on the trot. It was ridiculous. I was working at Chicano's local local chicken shop I just gave him free advertising on your podcast <laughs> anyway um, so yeah you paid that money for your tuition fees but then throughout the year that you were you there made you made it back, back in your yeah. ways that you made Good and then idea. once you've already paid for it you're going to get all that money back which you get in the in the year man and so, then I yeah. guess once you've hit that six grand you can stop working that job well so like okay so I graduated in the org in August 2012 I wanted to go, so they have two intakes, they have like a bunch of people that go in March and a bunch of people that go in April, uh, in August, and it's like, a lot of them were Brits, but there were some people from India, they had some people from Europe, we had like a Romanian guy, a Russian girl, um, and then like a bunch of people from like London and like parts elsewhere in the UK, 
um, I really wanted to go to the winning match because I just didn't want to hang around Dewsbury, man. Small town. I'd, I'd lived in Dewsbury. Well, I'd lived across Dewsbury in Pakistan all my life with my parents. So, like, I was at that point when I was 22 and I was just like, i got to get out of here, man. I, I want to I wanna go live in America for a year because who doesn't? So then that's when I was just like, yeah, that's it. I'm going to go your own two feet. Yeah, man. Like, I was just like, I've got seven months, I need to save this much money, and then that internship required me to have some office work experience as well, so I ended up working for like five or six months at a call centre, so I was working my Tesco job on tills, on trolleys actually, I was pushing trolleys by Oh, mate, summer, great job, winter. Summer, great job, winter, winter. terrible, but you know what though, they give you the big high-vis jacket... With the hood, oh. headphones in. Oh, I never did that. See, because I, be, I was ch- I was checkouts, but then every now and again they go, do you want to go on trolleys? And then you'd look outside. Yeah. And like, yeah, yeah, well, if it was fine. When it's raining, nah, you're like, bro. nah. I didn't mind it. So, like, it was raining, fair enough, but, like, they equipped me really well. They gave me, like, the big long jacket and, with and the hood. And the steel toe cap boots. And the steel toe cap boots that I ended up getting for free when I left as well. Yeah, they let me have them. So, like... I use them for like hiking and stuff, but like, nah, man, it was sick. And then like, yeah, headphones in, just trolley pushing. So like, the evening shifts were well easy because like in the evening during the week it's well quiet. Yeah, dead, yeah. So like, I'd bang out trolleys quick time, getting my cardio in and stuff. And then like, I <laughs> get my cardio. Oh, legit, legit. I would do. I would push. You know them little ones. You know the medium sized ones. I could push like twenty five of them at the same. It's like snaking around the bend and shit. But like, I'm there pushing it. It was sick. I got really good, man. I believe leg it. strength. And then, um, and then, like once I got it in, none of the managers inside cared. Like if they, especially if the weather was bad, they couldn't get. They couldn't. Care no, less. that's true. So like, I'd go up, I'd have a fifteen-minute break, but I'd go up in my car, go order a Buffalo Ranch burger meal from Chicanos, where obviously I said I ended up working. Before. <laughs> Sit inside and eat, forty-five-minute break for fifteen minutes. Come back down, and there was only three or four trolleys out. I'd carry on with the trolleys, and my, I'd go inside, and my manager's like, "You're doing a good job there." I'm like, "Yeah, man, I know." Banged it out. Still got 45 minutes on a 15-minute break. That was Tesco life, man. It was sick. Trolleys was a sick job. When you were on the tills, tills were all right. But, like, you're always under supervision yeah. on the tills because there's always a team list. So, like, if you're chatting to someone in front they of you. They split you up as well, so you couldn't. Bro, you we could... used to get split up all the time. Yeah. Or, they put you, or, they, or they put you on, uh, if you were quiet, they put you on the shelves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I hated yeah, that. Yeah, I hated that, man. Hate so that's why I preferred trolleys. So you born Pakistan. I was born in Pakistan. We're jumping everywhere now, aren't we? That was good, though. Yeah. Um, I was born in Pakistan. I was born in a, a big city called Karachi, Pakistan. What old are you when uh, you came over? I moved when I was four. Um, so, like, all of my family still lives in Karachi, right? Um, I apart moved... Apart from your mum and dad? Apart from my mum and dad and my siblings. And, like, that's my siblings. So your immediate family well. came to you, but you were Yeah, yeah. Also. So, like, we came over because my mum... It's going to get serious now. My mum remarried because my biological dad passed away of leukemia. Oh, oh, really? Yeah, when I was three. So then, like, my mum at the time... So, like, my mum got married when she was, like, 14. It was arranged marriage. Like, she didn't, like, have a choice in it or whatever. But that's just how things were done out there um, at that time. So, like, she got married into this family. Um, her husband, my dad, ended up getting leukemia. He passed away in '93. And then, weirdly enough, it worked out that, like, my dad's brother, who was my uncle, had recently divorced, and he was a doctor who lived in the UK. So then, like, my mum, at the time, because she got married so early, she's got three kids, but she's got no qualifications. And in a place like Pakistan, during that time, like, one, no one was going to, no one was going to employ her. Um, And two, no one was going to, like, marry a woman with three kids. Yeah. 
because like it was seen, especially like it, it gets into like a cultural thing. Yeah, of course. But it's a true thing. Like it, like no one wants to take on a woman with two daughters and a son. And like my my grandparents at the time were trying to like set my mum up with like you know to get married and to get remarried and stuff because she needed to get married because she wasn't qualified to like she couldn't afford slash was qualified to look after my two older sisters yeah, and course. me at the time. Um, and then they'd get like they'd get like proposals from guys that would be like oh. We'll take the son, but we won't take the two daughters. So, like, and I know you're making that face, and everyone makes that face, but, like, so, like, culturally speaking, when it comes to, like, an old-school way of thinking, and, again, like, a lot of this is doesn't exist anymore. But, unfortunately, a lot of it does exist, even in this country, in the UK. Um, but, but you mean, like, a lot of it doesn't exist in the sense of it's now looked on, like... Like, everyone's kind of looks at it and goes, yeah, this is not how it yeah, should be. Yeah, this is not how it should be. But then be. there are still pockets of people who try man. to keep it. There is. It, yeah. And, like, the reason why that was is because, like, culturally speaking, in, like, the old school way of thinking, daughters were seen as almost, like, uh, liabilities because, generally speaking, you'd have a daughter, she'd live to, like, like, you'd take care of her until she was, like, 18, and then she'd get married off into someone else's family, so then she would become an asset to someone else's family, ah. whereas the son would live in your house until 21 22 he would get he would start working for the family and then he would actually bring an quote asset a woman uh, into the family in the oh way yeah. of his wife that's how they so viewed like it. His, that's how they viewed and it. again like it's a completely twisted wrong way of thinking about it but like there were certain families when my mum was at that time like trying to get married that would be like that and mom, obviously she was just like well no like i'm not going to leave my two daughters um, like, what, like that again, like for her, for her to be saying no as well, like a lot of people are like yeah, well that's how it should be, it but that must bro. have been so yeah, especially to to be heard to think like well I'm gonna say no, but exactly. we could we could start we could starve you, we could we yeah, could, yeah legit bro, yeah, like yeah, it was dad. bad, it was it was like she was struggling to make strong woman. She was teaching at like some kids' school because like that's the only qualification she had, but basically then my grandparents ended up getting in touch with my dad now, who was my biological dad's brother, who had recently divorced. Um, and there's like a big age difference between my mum and my dad now. Like he's like 25 years older than her, but like they got talking and stuff. And mum and they were just like, yeah. He was just like, yep, yeah, come on, we'll get married. Bring you, bring your so son, bring your so two you, So your dad's, uh, your bio, so your dad you live with now yeah. is your uncle. Actually, your uncle. Yeah, technically my uncle. But yeah. like he took us on as a family because basically, put it this way: like he was married. He's got two sons who are like my stepbrothers. He lost them in the divorce because like his ex-wife. Oh, really? As in, like, lost their sons and they're still alive. As in, like, they moved back to Pakistan. So he's immigrated to the UK. And this is, like, in the 70s when there was a bunch of, like, medical professionals and stuff. There was a big immigration to the UK. He's immigrated to the UK. He's got a house. He's bought a house. He was married with his wife and kids. His wife and kids are now gone back. He's just like, well, what am I even doing here now? The only reason he moved was so that he could have a good life for his family. Obviously, there was a spot. It was, it was weird. Like, there was, like, he's got a house. And then, but he needs a family. So, like, my mum ended up talking to him and, like, my grandparents kind of, like, put them together. And then he was just like, yep, yeah, come on over. We'll get married and we'll take, uh, we'll, I'll look after your son. And Have they had any kids daughters. since? Yeah, since I've got a little brother, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, my mum went through a lot, man. This turned into a podcast about my mum. But, like, we moved, so we moved over in 94. Um, I had, I had a little brother in 95 um, who was born in 95 who actually died after, like, five months. Because um, we went to Pakistan that summer, and I think there were some complications in the water or something, or something like that out there, yeah. where he just couldn't survive in that environment. And like during those six weeks we were there, he died. 
So, like, my mum's gone through, like, being widowed, looking after her husband with leukaemia for a few years, moving her whole looking family. Like, looking like she was struggling on the breadline. Yeah, man. Then terrible. finally move. Then finally, finally moving, but then having this kid, and then, like, my little brother oh, dies. And then and then she she went through, like, a whole load of depression, and then... In '96, in December '96, she had she had my brother again, which is weird how that works out. Where she wanted to have another kid, which takes a lot, and then that kid ended up being my brother. It ended up being another boy, and we named him the same as well. And like he's 21, like, he's married as well, mental. I want to meet him. Mom. He's like 21. Yeah, man, she's oh, crazy. She, she's she a sounds crazy like woman. A, she's sounds, been through a lot. Sounds like a boss but, woman. Funnily enough, like. After that, like she went, she went to college. She did her A levels. She she went to uni. She's got like a LPC degree in like law and stuff. What um, badass! Yeah, man. And like she she does like interpreting. So she's like, she's um she's really into like uh, literature and like Urdu literature. So, so did she so. speak English when she came over here? Nah, did so she? None so of us did. So, so we you all just, learned. You all had to learn. Nah, bro. I was a little four year old. What, what kid. was that? What was I like? I learned English by playing out with the kids on the street. Legit. I didn't. I knew. I remember moving here when I was four. I knew yes and no. That was the only two words I know. Technically speaking, English isn't even my first language. Urdu is. Urdu is. Yeah. So that's what my mum speaks as well. Like that's what we speak at home. You speak the old oh, that's, See, yeah, I always think that's pretty cool, man. I it's mental. Like every time I'm on the phone when I'm on the road with the boys and stuff. So like we have this weird thing now because like I speak English and Urdu. So whenever I speak to my mum or like my sister or whatever. I'll always speak, and like half the words will be in Urdu and half the words will be in English. <laughs> they know what I mean, but all the boys always laugh at it when when I'm in the yeah, car. Yeah, yeah. My mum ever calls because she's just like, yeah. But that's just how it worked out. And then like we went back for like primary school. My mum took us back for primary school to Pakistan because she wanted us to like keep in touch with our family there. So I did like primary school there as well, which was from '98 to 2001. Oh I really? Lived in Pakistan, yeah, for three years. Yeah, man. I'm like, probably like people don't realize. That's people crazy. think people look at me and they think, oh, like you're British Asian. You were born in Dewsbury. I'm like, nah, bro. Like, I genuinely feel like as as much as I am British, I'm Pakistani as well. That's brilliant, though, man. Do but like, like you it's have, just like dual, it, dual oh, citizenship. Oh, mate, sick. Yeah. I've got dual citizenship, but like, it's just the circles that we're in. I never get to be around like that many Pakistani people. But like, I've got friends, and like when I'm around my family and stuff, like I. I, any excuse to start speaking to someone in Urdu and have like banter because we've got our own like different type of banter as well. Do you know what I mean? Well, you were saying to me the other day, like you were like, you're like, oh, I never met Dan Maloney before, but me and him were just like, bro, you just love me. We just sit down and start talking. I didn't you even know Dan. Yeah, yeah. I met Dan at the at the at the O2 that we went to. Yeah, and I, was just like, I don't know this guy. Dan comes up. Next thing you know, we're talking about Spark Hill in Birmingham. And like again, it's like. Call it weird stereotype, whatever. But that's just the way it is. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. and I have that with like. I'm not giving it away, but I have that with Ginny as well. Yeah. Like she knows all the spots, and it's yeah. just it's great. Just it's just a weird thing, but like it's like how like all the Welsh lads would connect yeah, on a course. certain level, yeah, yeah, yeah. or like certain lads from Birmingham or up north, and like all the Scottish lads. Yeah, all the Scottish lads are so like when you're like Asian, like you end up it ends up happening just naturally. There's a community, isn't it? That's why. Yeah, man. Like Dewsbury's a massive like it's got a big Muslim. So so between you kind of like. Coming over here, then kind of bouncing, bouncing primary school, back, and then yeah, coming yeah. back. Where did this love of wrestling come from? We've not even talked about wrestling. Yeah, yet, but that's good. How we, ridiculous we, is yeah, that? That's good. Yeah, that's, a, that's a sick story. Isn't it? <laughs> well, I'm glad Legit, I got the corner on. So, like, my grandparents came to visit us from Pakistan to England when I was like eight. Yeah. I had no clue, right? I didn't know about this, but my grandparents were massive wrestling fans. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, I love it when grandparents... But check this out, how crazy is this? So, like, my granddad spoke English. My granddad was, like, well-educated, like, he spoke English. My grandma, who, my granddad's passed away now, but my grandma, who's still alive, not 
one lick of English. She literally knows nothing. But she loves wrestling. So she understood everything that's going on in wrestling without ever speaking a lick of English. And like during like the 98, 99 era, there was like the whole uh, McMahon and like the corporate ministry and all of that stuff going on. She understood everything just by watching Vince. And she was just like, yeah, that's Vince McMahon and that's Stephanie McMahon. And like, they're the worst, man. They're not good people and stuff like that. She like she'd, know, like she'd know their names yeah. for them, but she didn't know what they she were saying. She didn't know what they were saying, but, the just, were talk. but just the way he would talk and like people would boo and stuff. So here's a woman that can't speak a lick of English. She still watches wrestling now. It's ridiculous. So like, basically, my sister got a VHS of SummerSlam 97. And that's what we all sat down and watched with my granddad. And that's the first part. That's the first wrestling I ever saw. And the one, the match that I remember from that was short, um, it was Bret Hart and Undertaker with Shawn Michaels, a special guest referee, where Shawn ends up spitting on Bret, I think, at the end. I That's SummerSlam 97, isn't it? No, not yeah. SummerSlam, sorry. Survivor Series 97? Nah, oh. Survivor Series 97 was Montreal. Yeah. Montreal School. King of the Ring? Nah, nah, bro. I'm sure it was SummerSlam 97. It doesn't matter. It someone really will know. Look at my phone. Will. I bet someone will know. But anyway, whatever that match was, that's what I remember. And then like they went away after that. And then after that, I was like trying to find any wrestling that I could. So like we went. So when we moved to Pakistan, they used to show like a lot of wrestling on TV and stuff. It was always like six weeks behind. I was going to ask if there was a delay. Yeah, there was a, like a massive delay, but like I, I didn't get, I didn't care. Um, but isn't that crazy? So like that, that just shows, like that just shows how. How visionary like Vince McMahon was because they probably would they were probably the only wrestling that was being shown in Pakistan probably yeah legit man because, at that uh, time because, yeah because they would have been going out of their way to to send it and make sure it was being shown because he knew that at there's some a point, channel out there called Ten Sports which is like the Pakistani version or like the Asian version of like Sky Sports but he knew they had like a TV deal but but yeah he he knew. That international that language, international, bro. Yeah, he knew that it was gonna, he was gonna Legit. need it at some point as well. Yeah, he was yeah. gonna build that power base up. Yeah, that's that's crazy. and that's crazy. Like wrestling's massive in Pakistan. Like there's, there's, there's not a market in terms of live events quite yet, um, just because people don't have that disposable income because like the economy is not as strong. Like they've, WWE have gone to India, but that's because India's like a massive, big rising economy. Yeah, but then you've got Pakistan next to it, which is very similar. Like India and Pakistan are very similar cultures and similar countries um they're just divided by religion because they made pakistan just for the muslims yeah. after the british left and stuff um but like yeah man wrestling fanatics in pakistan man legit like when i um when i got my like nxt deal and stuff like a, 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 a paper online paper in pakistan called express tribune did like a, a piece on me they did like an interview but then that went out and then like i got like a bunch of followers on my Twitter and Instagram and you could tell just by their names yeah. like yeah he's from Pakistan he's from Pakistan mental but like it's a big reach and it's like it's a growing like my biggest dream would be to wrestle in Pakistan that would be sick that would be like my mania right now if I could do you know what I mean I want to go let's do it it's sick it's sick man but no, I know exactly how much it would never yeah. but yeah yeah um but like, yeah, that's how it started. And then after that, like, I'd watch it in Pakistan. And then when we moved back, I'd watch it on Sky One, SmackDown Sky One, eleven yeah. o'clock standard, what everyone watches. We, uh, I used to watch people. I used to, like eleven o'clock in the morning, chair shots would happen, and then they'd, they'd, they'd pan away. But I was like, what are these? What are these cameramen doing? They yeah, keep missing, yeah, the, good they keep missing the good stuff. <laughs> I used to think, bro, it was worse. Do you have siblings? Siblings? Yeah, little brother. Yeah, I had two older sisters, so I used to have to fight. So they'd, I'd have to fight with them to watch like SmackDown whilst they'd always want to be watching like 
Charmed or some shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, don't talk bad about charms. Don't talk bad about charms. I'm sick of charm, man. The only reason why I didn't, I don't like charmed is because that's what they used to watch when I was sat there trying to watch wrestling, man. Or they'd watch like, not live and kicking. Live and kicking was early. I don't know, whatever it was that used to come on that in that early 2000s. I'm not quite sure. But yeah, that was it. And then like, I used to catch like as much. Nah, bro. I can't remember. I can't remember. But like, up until like, Mid two thousands, I'd watch SmackDown. Consider we never had Sky Sports at home because like my dad never got us like we never had game con- games consoles and we never had like the cool channels on Sky. Do you know what I mean? Because like he was big on like studies and like he wanted all That's of good us. Though, man. It is yeah. He wanted all of us to become doctors because like he was a doctor and like his two sons, my stepbrothers, are both doctors as well. And funnily enough, like we've all become like there's four of us now. My youngest brother's at uni now studying engineering. We've all done well in life, but like none of us became doctors. It's crazy, but it's just it's just his like old school weird mentality. But you know what? You might have been very much just like you very much might have been like, oh, I want to become doctors. And even though like doctor, being a doctor is so so bloody hard. Like the, know, the smart one of the smartest girls, mates, now, smartest girls now in our year failed to become a doctor, and she's yeah. one of the smartest people I know. She, mm-hmm. She's a dentist now, but she failed to become yeah, 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 a doctor. Yeah, yeah. But he might have just thought if you're aiming for that. And you fail. In his mind, it you'll was cynical, still, yeah. you'll still fall into something that will be really oh, yeah. unexpected. But like that was just like, like, like in a weird way. I always say like it's a weird like old school weird mentality and almost like backwards or whatever. But to be honest, it kind of worked because like in my in my house in my family like my dad was like, you got to get a degree, you got to get a degree, and I hated it. I didn't I didn't enjoy going to uni. Like I didn't enjoy like the education part of uni or like education full stop really. But. I got that degree and it was like like I said before it was like a tutu in marketing from Bradford whatever but like that degree helped me go to America because when I did my internship in New York their prerequisite was um, you need to have at least a tutu degree so I can't really complain about it can I? So well but did you ever think to yourself you could become a wrestler? Was that ever feasible? Bro do you know what I've got an email that I sent so I always so I always thought about it when I was like 17, 18 I was like I can do like I, I want to become a wrestler. Yeah, but there was no way in hell that like it was gonna happen with my family. Like yeah. my my parents, my dad was just like, "Are you stupid? Wrong here? Nah, it would have never happened. I would have had to rebel massively. I would have I'd, I'd have gotten kicked out of the, of the house or some something like that because they they were big on like education. Like I used to love like I used to love playing cricket and I ended up like signing up with the local cricket club and stuff. And it took, like, a lot of convincing to my parents, like, especially to my dad, to, like, let me go buy the kit and, like, go play locally for my cricket team. Because he's afraid it was going to affect his studies. Yeah, yeah, like, super, like, in, like not insecure, I guess, but it was super protective of, like, yeah. the study part of it. So which you were 17, I, you sent an email. I, when I was, I think it might have been 17, I've got it on my inbox, but I sent an email to Drew McDonald. I still remember it. At that time, I didn't know who he was, but obviously now I know who he was. He ran a school, I think it was in Leeds, but around there somewhere and I sent an email and like I read it now and I laugh it's like hi I am 19 years old I am interested in being a professional wrestler and would like to know the process for joining training or whatever never got a reply so like I just forgot about it I never got a reply because it was kind of like let me just send this email just to send this email but like I never truly believed that I could do it because it's just like it's like fairyland man fairy world because it was just like I'm not where I'm from, you don't you don't yeah. wrestle in it. Like it's just it was never it was never a thing that was gonna be able to be done. But then like fast forward after uni, I never I never thought I'd spend a year living in America. But I did that. And that was a dream of mine. Like we all grow up watching American movies when we were kids and stuff. And like 
I got to spend a year living in New York, working a normal job, and like traveling the US and stuff. And I got to go to Mania. I got to go to Mania 29, which was in New York. And I went to Mania 30, which was in New Orleans, just during that whole year. And I was then, there for 30. Yeah, 30, I was there. I wasn't even meant to be at that Mania as well. I went there whilst I was traveling with a bunch of mates who weren't wrestling fans. And we happened to stay at the same hostel that a bunch of people were. And my mates were like, you better not talk about wrestling because we're just going to go on to the next town. I didn't have I tickets for Mania. I wonder if we're in the... India Hostel. No, nah, it was like down the road from uh, Bourbon Street. It was like, there was a tram that ran down the middle, that ru- runs down uh, the middle. You're also, so we'll we were in a hostel down. for a few days and then we ended up in a, in a hotel because yeah, yeah. we booked the hotel first yeah, yeah. because it was cheap and then we were waiting on some of our mates to get flights and then by the time we, he got the money for flights, mm. it was so expensive for yeah, us yeah, to get yeah, flights yeah. on the day we had the hotel mm. we had to come in like three days earlier. And it was just cheaper for us to get a hostel for you three days. Hostel, yeah. And then we were like, we got, we like, oh my god, we got this hostel, and it was so sick. The hostel, bro, like, our hostel was, was sick. So good swimming pool. It was just like, oh was, no, our hostel was wasn't ch- that nice. It was, we had it, like it, 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 had, it had a tiny pool, so we were right. So it was like, and it was a uh, maybe we didn't actually have a pool. I'm making that part up, but it was, it was probably like, just a but it was, man, maybe, maybe yeah. yeah. But it was like loads of loads of cool guys there and stuff again. And the three days came, and we were just like, oh, I wish we could. I wish we could just cancel the hotel, the hotel. and stay in the hostel. And then when we got to the hotel, we were like, "No, I'm glad we got oh, yeah. there." <laughs> yeah. Bro, hostels are sick, man. Yeah, I spent, it was the hotel. I spent was, a lot of the time hotel, in the hotel had a pool, and yeah. it had each of us had like um, a double bed each. Oh and yeah, just, yeah, and okay. then we were just like, Ho- yeah, because yeah, bro, yeah. hostels aren't comfortable. <laughs> you get a bed, you get a shower, you yeah. get a bunch of people, and then yeah. you have a laugh. But yeah, like I ended up like on the spot. I ended up booking my tickets because I was at that time for some reason I wasn't like proper into wrestling. Because, like, I was in New York and I was, like, in that whole different world of, like... Yeah, of course. ...whole thing. So, like, I kind of, like, lost touch with wrestling a bit. So, like, I was like, yeah, we'll go we'll go New Orleans. I'll enjoy, like, a bit of the wrestling stuff, whatever, and then we'll move on. And when I got there, I was sat on the table and the girl opposite me was like, where are your tickets? I'm like, ah, oh, no, I'm not. I had my, I had my um, Rise Above Hate John Cena t-shirt just to help me, like, fit in with the wrestling crew or whatever. My mates were sat in the corner were like, what the hell is this going on? Because everyone was a wrestling fan because Mania Weekend. Yeah, of course. It's full of it. I told her, like, oh, I don't have tickets. And she goes, well, you're a wrestling fan. You've clearly got, like, a Cena t-shirt on. You're not going to WrestleMania. That same night, we went out to this place called Cat's Meow, which was a karaoke place right. on uh, Bourbon Street. All my mates were smashing. I told them, I was like, lads, I'm staying for a week. You guys go ahead. So I gave them, like, $200 to cover my petrol and, like, my uh, thing because we are on a road trip. So I gave them the money. I went back. I got, like, I made mates with, like, a bunch of these Australian people. And, like, we went on StubHub and, like, got all my tickets and shit. I ended up going to WrestleMania, and that was one of the best ones as well. It was, it was me, I yeah, love 30. Yeah. Um, but still, this but point, yeah. but still at this point, didn't think... Nah, because like, to be honest, at this point, I just looked at myself in the mirror, and I was just like, no, because like, I used to like, I used to eat like crap. I was like skinny fat. I used to smoke before, like I started wrestling as well. Um, I used to wear glasses. I didn't I saw, have, like, I've, seen, I've, seen, I've seen the pictures, man. Just look the look pictures. back on my Facebook, man. Look terrible. So like I never believed that. I've seen them. Uh, whatever. But like I, I never believed it in myself because I was just in this world. I was just all right. This is my world. Because like that year in New York, and then I ended up in London because the, the the company UBS, the bank, it was like a big size investment bank that I was working for. They offered me a really well paid job in London. So I, like I was in this other world where I was just like, wow, this is sick. Like I'm getting paid. Like I'm twenty. I was twenty three at the time. I was like. Shit, I'm getting paid really good money here. Went to New York, went to New York, saw a little bit of America, you know came I mean? back to London. Come back to London, got a nice little job, gonna save some money, send some money home, whatever, it'll be sick. So like, at that point, like, 
professional wrestling was like trying wrestling was like the last thing on my mind um then like i moved to london and i ended up in this like i ended up in finchley central in this one bedroom studio apartment which was literally like the size of this hotel room bro like that big and it was it was a worse six months but like it was just like i've come from that crazy year that crazy road trip at the end and now i've ended up in this flat um, a bunch of my mates are like still out in New York or still waiting to get jobs because not all of them had like jobs. I had a job straight away because luckily speaking, like luckily my bank had like a uh, like for like replacement and they had a spot open. They were like, all right, we'll just give you the job because you've been doing the job well for a year. So I was like going to work, coming back, going to work. And I was in like this weird, like they call it reverse culture shock where you've moved back to your own country. But because you spent that one year in like a crazy world over there, you've got to like mentally reintegrate yourself into society over here. But like for me, it was different because like I'm not moving back to Little Dewsbury. I'm moving back to London, which is a completely new place. So like there was a big adjustment there. Um, and my like my job was going all right and stuff. And then like I ended up moving to Elephant and Castle, which was closer to Central with a bunch of my mates. And then like I lived there for a year. That was sick. But like five months into that, so like I would say probably about eight or nine months into my stint in London, I realized that like being 24 years old, like I had a good job and I was all set. My mum was trying to find me a wife. I've done, I didn't arrange marriage thing, bro. My mum came now, she goes, oh, I found her. Like, cause she was just like, think about it from my parents' point of view. So it's like, all right, you've been to uni, you've had a little cool little year in New York. You've got a good job now. You're set for life. You're 24, what's the next step? Family. Get married, bro. Family. Yeah. Get married. And like, and I was just like, well, I wasn't seeing anyone at the time because my mum was like, are you seeing anyone? Do you like anyone? I was like, nah, I'm kind of just like, just working in London, isn't it? Whatever, having a laugh. And then she was like, all right, fine, I'll find someone for you. And I was like, no, you won't. And then like, she was just like, oh, I've seen this girl. And like, she kind of persuaded me to come down. So like, I did one of them. I mean, meetups. You know, one of them East is East gimmicks. Like, <laughs> bro, she, legit. She's nice. So she was late. She didn't even turn up oh, on time. Nice. So my mum comes down. Picture this, this is ridiculous, this podcast has gone mental now. <laughs> I'm in London, this girl that my mum's like found out from some family friend, whatever, she's living in London with her family, my mum comes down with my sister, drives down to her house, I get on the tube, I wear like a nice sweater and I like do my hair and perfume, whatever, and I'm like, what am I even doing? And then like, I'm, I get the tube to meet my mum, my mum bollocks me because I'm late to meet her because she's like, oh, what are they going to think, it's going to be a bad impression? We get to the house and this girl's parents are there. And again, random. My mum just knows her from somewhere else. And my sister's there as well for some reason, which makes it even more awkward. I sit down. I'm, talking, I'm speaking to her parents and, and like this girl's parents are like, oh, yeah, she's just running a bit late. She was out with her friends or whatever. And I'm like, well, don't give me heat because like I'm, I'm, I was late. But like this girl, clearly whatever. And then she comes and sits down. And like it is, mate, it is awkward. I should have never done I'm never going to do it again. Was it like you could see that she didn't want to be doing this? I don't know, like, she was there. She was nice enough. We sat down, and I thought, so, like, the way I thought, I was like, all right, I don't really know how arranged marriages work or, like, arrangements work. I thought the parents are going to go away, and it'll just be me and her, and then it'll just end up being, like, a date. Bro, no. My sister was sat there next to her talking to her. My mum was there. You get to know the family. Bro, her well, that's what it is. Her parents were there, and my mum's like, go on, talk to her. She's like, I'm like, what are you doing? What do you mean? Talk to her. She's... It was the worst. It was the worst. Rotten experience. I ended up chatting to her for a bit. I got a number or whatever in like the weirdest way because like her parents were right there. 
and like we never ended up talking. We, no, nothing became of it. So what was the choice? When was the choice then to move but away from wrestling? Things, move but away to wrestling? basically things like that were happening, and I was just like I was disillusioned because I was like I'm not gonna get married. Like I don't want to do that right now. Um, but I don't want to live like I'm making good money, but I don't want to live. I don't want to like go to this office because like I had an office job, bro. Like I was I'd, I'd come into the office and I'd have like Microsoft Excel up every day, and like I'm well sick at Excel, but like. No one wants to go take that to their deathbed, innit? What was your biggest achievement in life, bro? I do a sick V lookup, innit? Oh, like, no idea what I mean. Exactly. <laughs> Pivot tables, bro, legit. No idea. So good at them. But basically, it got to a point where I was like, all right, I'm 24. I'm going to need to, I'm going to give this wrestling thing a laugh, like a, a try. Um, and then, like, I started getting to the gym and started, like, started, like, losing a bit of my fat, whatever I had and stuff. Um, and then, like, I found a school. I found LDN. So, ha- this is how I found LDN. I googled London wrestling schools, as you would. Of course. What else would you do? Because at that time, I didn't know much about, like, the British scene. And the first one that came up was LDN wrestling, which was in, like, North London, welfare. I was living in Alpha. Do you think most, the majority of people I've spoke to on this podcast who are London-based wrestlers or... Came through came LDN at, at some, some point. point. Yeah, of course. I went for two weeks. I went like for, I went for like two sessions under Alan Lee Travis and I met Sanjay Bagger. But like yeah, um, did that for two weeks and then my mate who's a big wrestling fan up north was like, oh, there's this promotion called Progress Wrestling. They're in Brixton. They've got a school. It's just down the road from me and they run five days a week. So like I signed up to their class. Um, so I signed up to like their beginners class and started working through. This was big difference though when you went from bro massive from... difference. <laughs> well, to be honest, I didn't know much better because I only did two sessions. But now yeah. when you look back, you, you oh yeah, my, oh knowing what I know now, bro, best decision I ever made. And like a lot of this whole journey has been because of like just luckily being able to make the right decision to find the right places. Um, so I started with their beginners class before that, just before that, because I had a bit of money saved up and stuff. I was like, if I'm gonna go train somewhere. Um, Anywhere in the world, I need to go train at like the best place because I've got the money. I don't have the time because I had this whole thing in my head about I'm too old, I'm too old. I was 24 years old. And then like I was just like, all right, let me look. So I listened to a bunch of podcasts and did a bunch of research and everyone kept saying uh, the Dudley Boy School or Lance Storms in Calgary. Mm-hmm. So I'd already emailed Lance in Calgary uh, asking to like see if I could, you know, go on to one of his classes because I, I had a bit of money saved I was like might as well invest and like go train at the best place Lance emailed me back saying "Oh, he's I've really good a, when it comes to that yeah, oh bro oh, really yeah. good he emailed me back saying oh I've got an opening in the January 2016 session this is like April 2015 now so I'd already paid a deposit down to go to Lance's in January but now I've got like these six or seven months where I was like alright I could either sit at home or like just carry on with my job or Carry on working my job, save a bunch of money, start training and start getting myself in the gym to try and get in as best shape as possible as I can to go out to Lancers. And like maybe, you know, I'll have a bit of in-ring experience as well. Um, and have some more money if you decide you want to stay And the then I've got some more money because now, now I've got a target. So like now everything changed. So like now like the mundane life of like living in London and going to the same job every day became almost a challenge because I was like, oh yeah, I've got to save this money. So I'll save this money. Um, I was part of like a project team where the project finished in December 2015 anyway. So I was just like, all right, that project will finish. Go on for Christmas, fly out, save my money, start training, start getting in shape. I had to start wearing contact lenses because I, I just wore glasses. It took me like four different sessions at Specsavers to like get used to touching my eye and stuff like that. Because I was just, and that was it. For me, it was just like, 
if I can't get these contact, if I can't get used to wearing contact lenses, I can't wrestle. So I forced myself to like poke myself in the eye and like went to all these things. Finally got my contact lenses in and then I started at the Pro Joe. I was in the same class as Chikara. That's pretty cool. Yeah, we started together and there was about 18 she, of us. Does she remember being in the Yeah, 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 she does, yeah. She was like 15 at the time, she was well young. Um, she was like, she's still as well young? She's still well young, bro. Ah, she's what, like 18? It's ridiculous. Me too, bro. <laughs> Um, but there was like 18 of us that started and as, as as happens in wrestling like people drop off and stuff and like the only one I remember was Chikara um, but yeah I trained under Daz Daryl Allen he's the one that taught me how to like bump and do the national and do the rolls and all that stuff um, but yeah and then like I did like the 8 week eight weeks beginners and I started doing the intermediate classes where you could start going to a few more and then went into like the advanced class all within like four or five months. Just because I just kept turning up because I was just like the first you wanted, you wanted it? Yeah. Bro the first because it was just one of the things was that I wanted it, and another one was I've got an opportunity potentially here to like not have to like work a normal job in my life, which, was which in twenty fifteen at that point was so far away of making a living off wrestling. Do you know what I mean? But I was just like, I'll just take it one step at a time and see how far I can. T-. So it was like, all right, I'll do beginners. All right, okay, we'll do intermediate. Then I got into the advanced class and I started going to like a bunch of classes. They run like five six five six days a week, so literally every day I've finished work get the train from Morgate to Brixton, get off, go train, and come back home. And then, like, sleep, and then the next day, get up in the morning, go to the gym, do that. I had, like, a nice little routine. I was knackered all the time, but I was loving it. From that first session, it was, that was it. And then, like, I started, like, watching everything. Like, I started watching, like, you know, like, the training videos on YouTube and stuff, and, like, all the seminars and all that stuff. Started watching, like, Tough Enough again for some oh, reason. Because, like, yeah. And then at that time, they had, like, Breaking Ground came out on the network and stuff like that. So I completely, like... Submerged yourself. Submerged myself into it because it was, like, I just... I was I was living such a, like, mundane life where it was just so easy. I was I was given something that... Okay, I can make something out of this. This is exciting. This is wrestling, the thing that I never thought I could do. Someone like me would be able to do. And then, like, I'm there just, you know, taking the bumps rolling or whatever. And then, like... I mean, Daz got, Daz talk, spoke to me at one of the training sessions and he was like, oh, I think we can have your first match. So I ended up having my first match in November 2015 at Potential 3, which was at Nambuka in London. It was me and this lad called AJ Benjamin, who doesn't wrestle now, against Daryl Allen and Earl Black Jr. What was your name? Amir Jordan. Oh, I was going to be Amir Jordan. Amir Jordan. Um, that's always been my name. Um... So yeah, that's when I had my first match and then I carried on training for a bit and then like probably around about October, November time I told Daz and I told all the guys at the Pro Joe and stuff that I'm obviously going to Lancers. I kept it quiet for some reason. I don't know why I was... Probably because you thought that you... you I didn't, didn't want to get like heat. Like yeah, you do, I, do you I know what I mean? I understand why you wouldn't tell Yeah, them. but then it, it turns they out didn't like... They want you to just come here and learn oh, everything and leave. Yeah, but to be honest, all the guys they at the Pro Joe were The best times I had was doing ring crew at, during that time at like the chapter shows. That's where I saw you the first time as well. You'd have never known. Go back and watch the chapter shows. A skinny little me stood in the corner, at the ballroom to the to the left of the ring. The first the first ever show that I did the ring crew at. And we I met watched. and we chatted. Nah, we never chatted much. I think we chatted once in like Manchester. I think I chatted to you in like at the first ever Manchester. Were you at the first main ever event, Manchester yeah, show? Yeah, main event. Me, Will, and Gibson. Yeah, yeah. So like, I kind of chatted to you for a second there. You won't remember it, probably. I, remember I was just another it. body in like a suplex shirt with a f- f- ring crew, whatever. Um, but the first one, the first proper chapter show I went to and the first match that got me hooked was Jimmy against Paul Robinson in that hardcore match that they had. Loser Leaves. Just before the interval. Loser Leaves, yeah, yeah. 
um, that's when I joined in and then like I was well into like progress and then I got and then again like once I got that little taste I wanted to do it like I wanted to find out everything about British wrestling and like Hey everyone, just want to take a minute from a conversation this week to talk to you about our sponsors, Pins and Knuckles Merchandise. Pins and Knuckles Merchandise was formed in 2009 and it was founded by toy musicians who'd spent many years working with companies and just not achieving the results they desired as a band. Because of this, Pins and Knuckles was created with the aim to provide high quality merchandise to bands, artists and wrestlers alike. And you know what? They nailed it. If you're looking for the best place to get t-shirts printed, stickers flags, embroidery, DTG, sublimination printing, they do it all. Tom, Shannon, Dan and the rest of the team are doing a great job and you know what, it's exactly where I get all my stuff from and I think that's where you should get your stuff from too. And because of the guys over at Pins and Knuckles Merchandise, I'm able to keep this podcast absolutely free this month. So if you're looking for a best place to get yourself printed, maybe you're in a band, maybe you're a wrestler or hell, maybe you're everything in between then head over to pinsandknucklesmerchandise.com and check them out today. Better yet, they also offer free delivery to the UK and Europe. Big thanks, Pins and Knuckles. You've tore it apart. So you were going to you were going uh, to Lance's Canada yeah, uh, yeah. January 2016. The job yeah. was ending in 2015. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> Had you told them you were handing your notice in? What, what? who? Work. Or was you just going to let the project uh, run? So I let the project run and then like, because I was contracting, my notice was only like two weeks. So I just told them I'm going to Canada to travel. I didn't even tell them that like, I was going to wrestle. So that, that project would end and then they would speak to you and be like, oh, you're going to have a project. Is yeah, that and I was like, oh, no, I'm good, up? thanks. Yeah, I'm going to travel ah, okay. for a bit. They didn't know about wrestling. I didn't, I didn't, I just, at that point, I didn't even tell my family. I was going to say. Bro, legit, my parents, when I, I went to Canada, my parents didn't even know. My parents thought I was going for work. Because it was just like, it's what I, I didn't even tell any of my mates. I told my sister because like I'm better close to, to my ask sister. for forgiveness than permission, my friend. Bro, legit. At that time, I was just like, I was. I went home for Christmas and like my mum was like, "Why are you going to Canada? What's going on?" I was just like, "Oh yeah, there's a job there. Like I'm on a contract or whatever. So like, I'm gonna go out there for six months or whatever." Yeah. I had like a two year visa sorted for Canada. For some reason, I just thought I'll spend two years in Canada and maybe I can get down to America. And, like maybe something will come out of wrestling there. Um, so like. That happened. Um, I didn't tell him. I just went. So I was stood at Stansted Airport, and I was like, "What the hell have I just done?" I was walking around Stansted Airport, to, waiting for my flight to Calgary. Um, I told my sister about the wrestling thing, but like, I don't think I told my sister about going to Lancers because I knew my sister would tell my mum because she's a little grass. So like, <laughs> legit, bro. So like, as no all little, knew, as all little sisters are, apparently. Yeah, she's my older sister, but yeah, not um, none of my mates knew either. I kept it real quiet because in my mind I was like. I don't want to be that guy that says, oh, I'm going to be a wrestler. I'm trained to be I a wrestler. Really don't you don't it. do it. I quit Lancers after a week or whatever. I come back home. And, and you're the guy that go, oh, remember when you tried to oh, be a wrestler? Yeah, exactly. You know what it is. Oh, so like, that's why I just thought I'd just keep it well quiet. Um, I went out to Lancers. Lancers was great, man. Three months. Sick. Every single day. Like he started right. We started right from basics. Um, and then we ended up like doing the matches and stuff and like I was staying so like Lance owns a house in Calgary so he had like five of his stay in the house that he gave us like cheap rent for um, well cold man the coldest I've ever felt it out in Calgary of course Dirty. it is man snow every day right snow every day until like March April time yeah and then I started like Lance always encourages us to go and help out at like the local indie shows and stuff so there's promotion called PWA out there um, that I ended up working for so like once I was done with Lancers in April, 
um, I stayed out there for a good few months and then I realised that like I'm not going to stay in Canada for two years because I was seeing everything kick off in the UK this was like mid 2016 um, so like I was just like I gotta go I gotta I'm not going to make it in Canada because especially the western Canada scene like you've been you, have you wrestled in Canada? No you've been out like in the northeast part I know right? the, I know the gist of, I know the yeah, gist of so like, like in the northeast nothing... it's good yeah and then in the uh... in the west it's barren it's real barren. Yeah, it is. Unless you go uh, south. Vancouver. Or like, yeah. Vancouver, yeah. So, yeah, south. Yeah. There's like a company called EC Studio in Southwest, who yep. I never ended up working for. But I went to a show. Was, I went to a show in Yeah. I went to a place that's called... That's where uh, El Fantasmal's from. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. So I never met him out there. But I wrestled for a, a promotion called... It was in Kelowna. Big West Wrestling, which was like a few hours outside. And that was like... Um, that was like a seven, eight hour drive from Calgary, which is crazy, through like the Rocky Mountains and stuff. I did two shows for them. I did a bunch of shows in Calgary and Edmonton. And then I did some shows out in Saskatchewan, which is like eight hours the opposite direction in central Canada. It was sick, man. Best experience ever. I was spending money hand over fist. I was making nothing. <laughs> Bro, legit. All You know all that money that I was talking about that I saved from, man? Gone. Co- gone, bro. Flew out. Because like I, was pay- I paid land institution fees. I paid the rent that I had, and then this... You, you were on holiday. But I was you on holiday. holiday, mate. It was sick. And, like, I was driving around, like, I had, like, I rented a car for three months. That's how much, like, needless money I had. Because I was there, and I was like, well, okay, I'm going home in July, but I need to have something for July. And Calgary is that type of city. It's so big, like, like you can't get around. So That's I was just amazing. like... I just blew my money. But it was a great experience, though. But I knew I had to come back, and, like, because it was... I was just like, if I'm going to make anything of wrestling, it's going to be in the UK. But then was your... You plan to go back to London and get one of those jobs again? Well, so that was it. So, like, I had a bit of a decision to make where I was like, I either move back down to London again, which, to be honest, because at that time, in terms of wrestling, I knew everyone in London. I knew a bunch of people at the Projo and, like, IPW at the time and stuff like that just by helping out at, like, you know, the local shows and stuff. I didn't know anyone up north where I'm from, but I didn't really want to move back down to London because I didn't want to live in London again, even though I knew, like, the big money job was down there. But like I was done living in London because I'd enjoy lived there it, for a year, gone away for six months, lived there for like a year and a half, gone away for six months, and then like coming back to London would have been like weird anticlimax, whatever. So I looked on the map and I was just like, all right, if I'm potentially gonna make, try and make a living off wrestling, being in Yorkshire would be the best place because like M62, M1, that was my thinking. And best thing, my parents wanted me to be at home because at that point I'd have been away from from home, New York, London, and America and Canada. For like three plus years and like my parents are the type like they don't want me to go away they want me to stay close to them because mm-hmm. i get to be home i'll get a local job somewhere i ended up getting a job at kpmg in leeds which is like an accounting company again okay. like a decent job that i ended up quitting after like four months again because wrestling kicked off um i quit two good well-paid jobs man i'm an idiot but it's just wrestling are you an idiot though i don't, I don't think know. you are it's worked out in the end yeah. but at that time you didn't know bro i got i got two calculated risks as eddie dennis likes yeah. to call them yeah yeah shit um yeah i did the eddie dennis thing before it was cool. <laughs> i don't know what it was called cool quitting big money jobs man i should have made a video <laughs> um difference is you didn't have a stupidly big mortgage nah nah bro oh, nah, girlfriend nah. i just who, had six months who was, who was who'd signed up as well <laughs> <laughs> Support. By that point, by the time I got back, all my mates knew I was wrestling because I put a big status up when I like one of them Facebook things. That was like, this is what I do now, and like I got mixed reviews and like I was really nervous about moving back to Jewsbury because I thought these guys are gonna think I'm 
And so my movies about your parents after three or four years away. I, I found it. I never could do it. I, Bro, it was a bit of an adjustment, but I, yeah, I the, the day I moved back, literally two days later, I was at grapple training with. Um, well, at the time I was training with JC Thunder, but I was like, because I found a school straight away. Um, so like, I'm good mates with Prince Amin from back in the day. We used to play football together because he's from a town called Batley. Which is literally really? That's yeah, sick. Which is next door to you. I knew he was a wrestler as well, but I never like I'm an idiot because I never I never asked him about it, about where to train or whatever. He would have told me as well. But basically, when I put that big status up, uh, Prince Amin Mo, he's called. That's fine. He, he won't yeah, he does. Right. He messaged me saying, "Bro, you started wrestling. You didn't even tell me." And like he was like, he gave me like he gave me a bit of shit for it, but like in a nice way. So I, t- I messaged him back saying, "Look, I'm moving back to Yorkshire in July." Like. I'm looking to like you know find a good school or whatever, um, and then he told me about Grapple and he said like Marty Jones and Ligero train other trainers at Grapple and stuff so go down there. Grapple's like in a place called Morley which is not far from my house yeah. at all. So literally the day I flew back home, I saw my parents or whatever, and then I looked up like the first Grapple. So session what did they there. think about all this? What the wrestling stuff? So I was an idiot, complete complete flipping. They were happy that I moved back home, and when I moved back, which was in July of 2016. I was actually looking for a full-time job, and my mum was just like, "All right, this wrestling thing's just a bit of a hobby." Mm. But like, and she was happy, work. and she was happy to have you home. So she was more took, happy took to heat, have me home. Off, so yeah. it took it, it like squashed the heat a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, like, and I start, I just started training because I moved back up north. And to be completely honest, I tell people I trained by I was trained by Lance, and like, no one here really cared because they were like, "All right, let's see you work." Do you know what I mean? Like, all right, fair enough, you got trained by Lance, on, but like. No big deal, because there's been so many people that have come through Lancer School. Um, so, like, I kind of had to, like, prove myself again, whilst not really knowing anyone up north. Because everyone, all of my wrestling mates, or my wrestling bubble or world, was down south in London. Um, like, I went down, I messaged, I remember I messaged John Briley about telling him that, oh, I'm back from Canada. So, like, you know, I'd like to be on, like, one of the potential shows and stuff. So, like, he put me on, so I drove down to London. I ended up doing like a match at Potential 4 or 5, whenever it was, in like July 2016. And like I got some good feedback. I remember Jimmy pulled me aside, who at the, t- like at the time was very brutally honest and stuff. And like I'd done some training with Jimmy before, and I, like, I kind of knew I was just like, he pulled me aside and I was like, oh, he's going to tell me I was rotten. He pulled me aside after a match and he was just like, that was quite good. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> but like, because I'd been so busy training and stuff, and I'd done the stuff at last, I didn't realise how much difference it would have yeah. made for like them. And like I remember like even John said he goes, Oh like, oh you've you've come a long well a long way from like, you know, six months ago. So like the Lance and the Canadian experience was must have like, you know, worked out well for you. Um but yeah, and then I went back up north and then like I didn't hear much from like London because like it was a long way to drive for me yeah, as well. Yeah. I ended up like that's where I met some of your lads as well, Brendan and Danny Jones. I met down there. We, we did like an IPW recruitment. Ah, thing. yeah. I drove down for that by myself as well. Yeah. And that's where I met. I met. I met Bronco, Brendan, Danny Jones. I don't know who else. Bino. Bino might have been there as well. Yeah, he did yeah, too yeah. On the show, yeah. Yeah, and then we got onto this like rumble or whatever. Yeah. And then like we got refunds for our training thing, but we didn't get any X's and no wins. <laughs> Standard, but that was it. We were it all we were all yeah, good for an opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, I was like, oh, I need to get myself down to London. Um, all the while up north, like I start, I was training with Legs, I was training with Marty um, every week, and I started like slowly getting onto the grapple shows. And then um, slowly as time went on, like I started getting on like the little mega slam shows that they run. Started getting on their tours and stuff, and like um, eventually, like I started like going up because. 
By the end of 2016, I'd worked like Grapple Mega Slam and like maybe BWE, which doesn't run anywhere, like the small promotions up north. Yeah. Um, when 2017 started, I was like, right, I need to like, and this was like five or six months in, I was like, shit, I'm like, I'm 26 years old. I need to crack on with this. I need to make, um, even though like speaking, like really generally speaking, I'd only been wrestling for a year and a half. So like, I'd not been doing it long, but I was just antsy to like get going. That's I was good just like, I want it. Good, so like, good. I remember I was, I helped out at NGW Hull City Hall uh, at Christmas, their Christmas show in 2016. I ended up speaking to Rich, a promoter and stuff. And he said like, oh, start coming to training from next year and we'll have a look at you and stuff. Yeah. Um, so like, I was like, maybe I'll start going to loads of different schools and then like in 2017. And then like the more research that I did, the more I realized I was like up north within like a radius of two hours from Leeds. There's so many good schools. Yeah, there is a lot. And literally this, the, the day 2017 started, I was still going to grapple. I was going to Marty's in Oldham, who he ran his school there, his little school. Um, I started going to Nathan and Myers up in NGW in Hull, which was like an hour and a half. Started training with Rampage, which was in Newcastle, which was like two hours away. Which is crazy when you think about your message to McDonald's as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. How crazy is that? Like, I told Rampage the story, he didn't care about it. But yeah, like, and again, like, you know, Rampage was like, he asked me, like, because he didn't know who I was, but he was like, where you come from? I was like, oh, just uh, south of Leeds and stuff. So, like, he was quite like, I think, like, I think he took a liking to me because he realised, like, I came from so far away. And, like, I'd always finished work because I was still working my little KPMG job at the time, where I was still making, like, decent money. So, like, all the money that I blew in Canada, I was starting to recoup back. So I started making some savings there, which was kind of nice. Um, but then, like, slowly time started going on. I started getting busier with, like, training and wrestling and stuff. This is, like, getting into, like, mid to, like early to mid-2017. And then, like, I think in March or April, I quit my job at KPMG. I hated that job as well, bro. What did, what did your mum say? My mum bollocked me massively. I remember I sat in the... Did you tell them before you did it? Or you no, did I? I did it. You, what's, what was your thing that you said? Yeah, I better to ask for better uh, to ask forgiveness. Because I was like, I need to make this wrestling thing might kick off and it might be great. Because like, I started getting on like more NGW shows and stuff and I was just like, I've got to take this risk now. And you've saved up money again. So. I saved up a little bit of money to like keep kind of keep me going. I wasn't making any money off wrestling, really. And like my mum bollocked me. She was just like, you've done this again? <laughs> And I'm like, I know, you've got to trust me. And, like, at the time, like, she was just like, That's amazing. I got a right bollocking, bro. You've done it again? And like, at 26, like, she even said this to me. She goes, at 26 years old, I can't hit you. Like, I can't pull the slipper out and start hitting you. Because you're too old for this. So you need to start, like, you, what are you doing? You've done it again. And then, like, yeah, exactly. So, like. Like the puppy that's and my dad in the know. corner. Yeah, you've done my, it again. My dad didn't even know. I never spoke much about to, about wrestling to my dad until recently. Like we never talked about it because I think like my mum told him about it, and like he'd always be like, "He's an idiot. What's he doing? He's stupid. He's throwing his life away. Whatever." Um, I don't blame him. No, I, like, I guess. Shit, don't blame him, man. Because like if I was them, I'd be worried sick as well. Like quitting these jobs, you're well qualified. You, I guess. Man, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, that's it. And then like I started working at my mate's furniture shop, who let me work like um, flexible hours. hours, let me out go out wrestling. And then, like, even I did that for, like, two months. And then even then, like, my wrestling started kicking off because I started getting offered, like, dates for, like, Mega Slam. And, like, I got started getting offered, like, Butlin's dates camps, um, yeah. on the camps and stuff. And then, like, Rich was like, oh, we'll give you a summer and stuff because, like, he liked what he saw. And, like, Rich and Alex and were like, yeah. Some you can make a full-time... Full I was like, well, I've got to do the camps, man. You've got to do, like, I was just like, if I do the camps for a summer, I'll get well good. And, and then, and like... Your and your friend just let you have those six weeks off, or...? Um, well, I quit before. Ah. I just told him, I was just like, bro, like... 
I want to help you out, but like I don't want to be here when my mind's elsewhere. Because at that time, I completely okay. checked out. I was trying to help him. Like it was his furniture shop, and I was doing some like online shopping stuff for him. I told him straight up, I was just like, I'll do what I can because you're my mate, but my heart's not in it. And thankfully for him, like he paid me as well, so like you know, I got a bit of money out of it. But yeah, at that time, I was just completely checked out, and at that time, I was just like, right now or never, I'll take the risk now. And if worst comes to worst, I lose everything. I'll just go back to my job because I am well qualified. I've got a bit of you know work experience. That's the good thing about a degree, though, isn't it? It's like again, like, that's what uh, Regal says. That he's like, have get a degree, yourself a fallback, but he's like, go all in. Yeah. But just make sure you've got a fallback. Luckily, because I never, because like I said, I never planned on wrestling whilst I was doing my degree. But the way it's worked out is like even now, God forbid, touch wood, if anything goes wrong, I can always go back and like, ah, live so a I, good I, life. I, I do you know do, what I mean? Yeah. You've got your degree as well, so like. That summer I started wrestling and I started getting on like more indie shows. I started getting on like more northeast shows like North and like this stuff like Emmy Dooley's smaller promotions were there. I got something up in Scotland for Kid Fight, PB Dooley and I'm like, all right, I'm starting to like get around a little bit and like, you know, getting around with this Bangra gimmick that no one's seen and like I come out and like started doing like Rye stuff and like they started putting my entrances out and, and stuff like that. So, like, once I started putting, like, my entrance out, I started thinking maybe I should make my entrances grander, which is where, like, then I learned, I was just like, you can get a crowd just with an entrance. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, like, that's how I learned it. Because initially, I just, like, yeah, yeah, I'll do some of this Bangla stuff that I've always done. Like, I'd always, like, danced at, wed- like, Asian weddings and stuff. And, like, it was just like, yeah, it's easy for me. Like, the Asian weddings are the best. Asian weddings are the best, bro. If you've ever been to it, man. Oh, yeah. like, They're the best. You just dance for, th- you just dance for two weeks, in it. There's, like, seven days worth they, of... They put an open bar... When nobody oh, drinks, okay. yeah, <laughs> nobody yeah, drinks. Well, if you go to like some of the Punjabi sequins and stuff, there's a lot of drinking going on. You will have an open bar at a Muslim wedding. <laughs> no, he was. was he, you must. Have, Hindi. If he was Hindu, Hindi. yeah, probably. A lot of them didn't drink, bar. but there was an open a bar. A lot of Hindus don't drink, but like, open bar. yeah, exactly. A lot of dancing, a lot of color, a lot of you know whatever, and like you kind of lose your inhibitions. I've never drank yet. I still did that at weddings, so like I had like no shame when it came to stuff like that. So doing like a little bangra entrance to Punjabi MC on my you know coming out to the ring, easy. And then like I got a little waistcoat and I got a little thing, and then I started you know building my gear up just like naturally just from there. So like I've got this like unique different gimmick. I'm still training. I'm getting in the gym, starting to get in shape because of the good training that I'm getting. Um, up north and stuff. I'm getting, I'm building like a good basis and foundation. Nice of, you little know. reputation. Yeah, exactly. So like, um, and then like I did the summer camps, and then like even after that, I started like you know, staying busy, and I was I was struggling massively, like money wise and stuff. Because at that point, at that point, the money that I had from my job and my mate's job kind of started running out. Because I was, it's like I was still paying rent at home and stuff, and like I didn't, I didn't want to live at home for free. As much as it meant, like, I'd struggle and I borrowed money off my sister and stuff because my sister's got, like, a decent job and stuff. Paid her back now, obviously, but, like, at that time, that really helped. Um, and then, like, it was just, like, back end of... Back end of 2017, like, literally, there was, like, a day that everything seemed to just completely change, which was that Sheffield Progress show, if you remember. I wasn't there, my friend. I you was know, when the, it snowed. I was one of the people who couldn't get there. So I messaged. So, like, at that point, I was quite busy wrestling-wise and I was like, all right, you know what, like... And, like, I'd always keep in touch with John. Like, I'd always, like, come down to, like, the Sheffield shows or the Manchester shows to help out with the ring jobs just to, like, you know, keep keep, your foot in the water, keep, keep my foot on the door. And, like, I knew a bunch of the lads there and stuff, so it was quite pool. nice. And it was just, like, if I had a free day, I got to go watch some wrestling, help out with the ring, and I got to go watch Progress. And it was, like, pretty cool. Do you know what I mean? And by that time, I started getting to know, like, Liggs and Nathan and, like, guys like the rampers that were wrestling there and stuff. So, like, it was kind of nice. I'd go and, like, you know... I'd know the guys there, so I'd feel a bit more comfortable. 
so just like on a random you know just like on a thing i just i, I messaged john a few days before saying oh do you mind if i come help out sheffield john was like yeah yeah sure as as i do as i've done in the past but as i was driving down like we found out like, up north it didn't snow that much but apparently in the midlands and stuff it snowed. wales it was mental mark and, like, andrews got i think it took, it took mark andrews Five hours to get to, he didn't make to it, like Cheltenham, he? and yeah, they just yeah. turned him around. You didn't make it. I literally couldn't get out of my yeah. street. And then, and then when like, I went, and then yeah. I got to the train station, and they were just saying like delayed, cancelled. Yeah, delayed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and then there was one day, and I just went, "Is this going to show up?" And the guy just shrugged. And yeah, I messaged yeah, Brian. Yeah, was like, went, I was yeah. like, I was like, um, I can stay here. And Brian went, "Just go yeah. home. And just bunch, go home." Yeah, and a bunch of the, I think, like Pete, Trent, and Tyler got stuck in Ireland or something that day or whatever. Yeah, they were they were yeah. flying to East Midlands. Yeah, yeah but they didn't make it. So like, I I was driving out. Obviously, I had my gear in the back. Number one rule: always bring your gear. Always, like, always bring your gear. That day, that rule was like paid for itself. But we went down, helped out with the ring, whatever, went to Sainsbury's and I got a message, like, once the ring was up and stuff, like, went to Sainsbury's to get some food and I got a message from John saying, oh, do you want to work today? And I was like, wait, what? And then I looked on Twitter and stuff and I saw, like, there's been a bunch of snow. Cause so I said Pete saying sorry, me saying sorry. There was a bunch Mark of tweets out and I was just like, oh, this is crazy. And I looked at the card and I was like, there's a bunch of these matches and, like, all these guys that can't make it are not going to be on the show. And like there was me and I was down with, um, I drove down with Saxon because Saxon li was living at the time in Leeds. He's moved to Nottingham now, but he's living, he was living near me. So we both came down to help out. Gabe came up with Joe. Um, and then that um Adam Chase. Adam Chase ended up getting on. I didn't know him at the time, but he was there just to help out. Russell took my spot against Ridgeway. Took your spot against Ridgeway, yeah, exactly. And then us three ended up be being in that eight-man, uh, schmoz, eight-man Scramble. Scramble, yeah. So, like, as we walked back... I was going like, to say Thunderbass then, but it wasn't... No, nah, no, nah, it wasn't. It, wasn't. it was for, like, number one contenders. And, like, so we came back, and um, and then, like, Jim and John was like, oh, well done, like, you guys are on the show now. Um, it was me, Gabe, and, uh, Gabe and Saxon. So, like, we went up and, like... I'm Primate. Primate was on it, but Primate was already booked on it. Oh, was he? Yeah, he didn't make... He was already supposed to be on it. Yeah, Jay, oh, um, okay. he, was, he was supposed to be on it. And there was Damien, Spike Trivet... Uh, Sexsmith. And Sexsmith. Um, so we went through this match and like in my mind I was thinking right it's an eight man tag I've got this opportunity that's come out of nowhere where am I going to get myself my character like you know entrance over entrance so I gave I gave Bradley my Punjabi MC and I was just like you know what I'll probably get like three moves in in this match I'm just going to give it big in my entrance and like I was so pumped up and like for me because it was progress and like because I trained there and stuff and like I'd always wanted in the back of my mind I was like I really, I'd, li I'd really get, love to get onto like a big chapter show and stuff um, so like it was just everything happened so quickly next thing you know we've gone through this match we're ready to go out and like everyone starts going out and then I had this realisation I was just like no one's going to know who I am because I've, I've only been wrestling for a little bit up north whatever you know in like the smaller promotion I've done stuff for NGW people know Saxon because at that time he'd done the tournament people know Gabe because Gabe got a really good Gabe was doing what culture at the time that, yeah. yeah that and that uh, he, a big run yeah he had a real good run didn't he he wrestled like Zack Sabre Jr and stuff like that he won the internet belt I was like they're gonna know who these guys are will they know who I am I don't know little did I realise that like people that go to progress shows come from all over the country legit and like Sheffield was a good one because like a bunch of people from the northeast would have come down or whatever so like I got ready my music played I came out I did a big massive entrance whatever did the match, it was great. Like, my phone started kicking off after. And then, like, Progress um, released, like, the entrance on YouTube. 
Yeah, because like they it. had to do that because of the they music had to thing. dub stuff over. They do, so, like, on the on-demand, there's me giving it biggins, getting all dancey, whatever, getting the crowd going to this weird, like... Overlay of music. Weird yeah. overlay of music. But then they put the entrance out, and that was the show where Rampage made his return it as was. well. So they put my entrance, mine, Saxon's, and Ram, Rampage's entrance up yeah, they on, did. on Facebook and YouTube and stuff. Oh, I think it was just Facebook. Mine ended up getting, like, a bunch of bunch of likes and a bunch of views and stuff I'm like this is crazy and then my Twitter started going off controversy as well though if you yeah, remember correctly yeah, yeah. It, was, it was it was I don't know. it was a little bit where and to be fair yeah. I, thought, I, I saw it and I was like well, I, like I understand why people, I did it a little bit but how you how I think how you dealt with that like yeah. and, and for doesn't hear it was that somebody thought that you were it was cultural appropriation of yeah, the, yeah of, and um, and they you were almost being a stereotype and they yeah. said it was a negative stereotype and the way you took it down was like nobody's made me do this well that uh, was it though like my thing was like this is my you might, you might see it as this but like and obviously like we've talked before early in this podcast like i'm very much like i'm very much like pakistani as much as i am british so it's a big part of me do you know what I mean? And like the stuff that I do on my entrance on my card, like I've been doing that already. And they said so like there was there was like for the yeah. of these white British men dancing along with you. For me, that's like, an achievement. You were like that's you were like, I've got these people yeah. engaging with my culture. Yeah. What why are you and the way I think the way yeah. I'll put my like the way you I dealt with it yeah, online, yeah. you dealt with it very fast. Something you've only yeah. been only been in the business at this point, a year and a half, two years. Yeah. You dealt with it very, very well, my friend. Yeah. I think that I think I think you I think you won a lot of people over Yeah, I think I did. with yeah. the way you dealt with yourself. Mm. I appreciate that man. Like it was it was one of those situations where I was sat looking at my phone, I was like, I'm gonna have to be very careful how I Respondents. There's a lot like of people. Like, who, a lot of people have been around a lot longer than you, mate, and they've and they've and they've said stuff which are yeah. real bad, and they've worded stuff really badly. I'm not going to get into it, but you did a really yeah. good job when it came. Thank to you, that. and I appreciate that, man. And like, to be honest, like the thing is, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Of course, you can't like you can't downplay anyone's opinion. You can only give your point of view and tell them like whatever you're thinking. You can apologize for you can apologize for upsetting somebody. You can apologize yeah. for not taking their yeah. opinion and their into account of view. But, but do you know what? Weirdly enough, and like I did not, I didn't plan it to be this way. But the way I dealt with that, whatever, I think endeared me more I to like did, the I wrestling did. world. And I, I was did. just like, this is great because like people started saying nice things about me online. I was just like, whoa, this is crazy. Like, and nothing to it. And then like the entrance ended up going viral on like a bunch of like Facebook pages and stuff. And then next thing you know, like to be fair, I guess we can talk about this now because of where we are. But like next thing you know, I get an email from Jim Smallman saying, oh. What's your email address? This was around Christmas <laughs> Wait time. Wait a no. You get an email. Sorry, I got a Facebook <laughs> message. I got uh, a I got Facebook email. message. my email. Then yeah, yeah, yeah nah, chill out, bro. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I got a Facebook message yeah. from Smallman. And, he, and Jim, Jim, asked, um, Jim asked for my email. I was just like, why do you want my email? <laughs> What's wrong with you? Just give me the book in here. <laughs> uh, I was just like, am I getting booked here or what? And then like he took my email down. Um, and then he goes, you'd be expecting an email. And it was about like setting up my profile for a potential tryout in 2018 um i was like this is sick because he said like it was just like like we liked like the little bit whatever that you did in the eight man we loved it and like you know send me your details and you know send it over and i was just like that's crazy that little accidental booking that i got got me a potential hopefully a potential trial at that time like i was really struggling for money as well like it got rough and like that's when like um I started spending a lot more time with Kip as well because, like, a bunch of lads up north, um, like, stopped wrestling and stuff. Like, I, I was I was mates with a bunch of them and, like, 
like Saxon moved away and like a, a few of the lads like quit and like one of them got injured and stuff so like I was kind of like by myself and that's when I started meeting Kip Kipples like, comes along me, Kipples comes along and Kip lived close by but Kip ran in like a weird different circle because at the time like I was doing all this little, oh, yeah. and then Kip, yeah, and then Kip was doing like Lucha Forever, and, yeah. and then like um, he was doing like Hope and stuff like that, the South Side, all these different you know places. But like he was close by, I knew of him because we did some of the camp stuff together. And then like I remember, we just went out to eat one day, and like Kip was in a bit of a rut because Lucha Forever just shut down, and he's like his um, exposure wasn't as much, and like I was still trying to you know get my thing going as well you know I just done the little progressing I was getting my I sent my stuff off to like you know Canyon for the WWE thing and we like he moved gyms we like we got along like straight away and like we knew each other but then we become like so tight and like we were both skin we had no money and we were just like he joined my gym in Batley and then we started going to the gym and then like I love you too we just started <laughs> putting up silly stuff on Instagram and then people started like responding well to it and stuff and like to be completely honest like that changed a big part of it because like Kip helped out a lot because Kip's been in wrestling a long time. Yes. He's class as well. I've known Kip for um, You've ten known years. him a lot longer than I have. Um, but, like, Kip helped me out in terms of, like, I've got this, like, you know, nice little bit of exposure. I'm, you know, up and coming on the, you know, on the scene and stuff. So, like, he helped me out massively just with how to, like, deal with that. And helped me out in the gym as well. Yes. Like, trying Always to get me because he's in good shape. He was going through, like, a bit of, like, a life down just because of everything that happened and like I'm super like happy and positive and motivating all the time so like, I helped him out so it's kind of a weird thing where like we, we were brought together because we were used to each other and we made each other like better do you know what I mean yeah of course that's how relationships work my friends yeah exactly um, and then like at the end of the year I remember like it was around Christmas time and like we were both skin um, but we both told each other man like there's a big there's, 2018 is going to be our year it's going to be sick yeah so like um and then, yeah, we just got to home. We were just like, we've got to make 2018 our year because, like, we're both in, like, the same boat. We kind of found, like, common ground. Little did we know what would end up happening later, you know, six months later. By the time we were just like, yeah, man, like, we'll, we'll just, let's just, let's just kick ass. Let's just, let's just get in the gym. Let's keep wrestling and stuff. He helped me out, like, trying to get into places. Um, I helped fill his calendar up as well to, like, up north because, like, not that many people knew him up north and stuff. So, like, we were both helping each other out and, like, to this day, like, We'll argue all the time and stuff, but like he's become like probably he's your, he's, no, he's your best friend. You don't have, yeah, yeah, he is, yeah. It's weird. You can say, say it. that, innit? You can say. Well, it. that's it. Like the thing is, like in wrestling as well, as like as much as the far, the further in the rabbit hole you get, like you find like the the less friends you have. Kind of, it's a weird type of no, I get you. thing. But like we've always like stuck together, and we've always said like you know wherever we end up going, like we make sure that like our thing stays strong and stuff. Just because like where we came from, like. And this was only talking six or seven months ago, but we were like lending each other money. Or like this one time I remember like we had to share a meal because we didn't have any money at the time. And like just because we weren't, we were just trying to make it off wrestling, but we were happy as Larry. It was great. Um, but then, yeah, like that ended up happening. Um, and then like I sent my stuff off. I ended up doing like, we ended up doing like a Progress Dome show. Um, where like I remember like John asked me like who's you know who's decent up north and stuff like and I gave him a bunch of names and we ended up being ended up being me, Kip, Gabe and Saxon that ended up going down for that dome show um, and then like just carried on wrestling throughout this and this is just only the beginning of the year which feels like years ago but like January, February, March go by like I've sent my stuff off for a, like a potential tryout because at that time there was potentially running tryouts in May and November I think it might be in April and November of this year 
the closer it got to it, I was just like, nah, I probably will get it. It probably won't happen, but maybe I'll get one in November. I'll just keep wrestling. I'll just keep, you know, trying to make a name for myself. I was getting busier and busier and, like, you know, it was getting good. I was getting, like, you know, bookings in a lot more places and stuff. Started coming down to London a lot more as well, which was pretty cool. Um, and then, and then, like, in March or April time, this, this thing comes about, about this tournament. <laughs> And I'm like, and then like, I get an email from Canyon. Uh, I got an email from, I think it was John. I got an email saying about oh, potentially doing the UK tournament. And I'm like, excuse me, what me? And then like, I sent I sent a bunch of stuff off and whatever. And then like, Canyon called me and we talked about like whatever coming down to the O2 and doing these signing these contracts. We can talk about yeah, of course we can. Yeah, of course we can. Like, we are, yeah, we're good. Yeah, signing a potential contract and getting you know paid. A living wage and stuff and I was just like mental so like I came I remember I came down to like the O2 I ended up because I was, I was so skint at the time even though I know we were, had our expenses paid I ended up having to get a megabus down from Leeds so I got oh, the really? megabus so you know that O2 thing that we did the wrong Smackdown I got a megabus then megabus back mate that I think that's awesome I think mental cool. I think that's cool as even shit. though I knew I'd get expenses covered you didn't have the money I didn't actually have the money so I was just like oh I'll just get like a 25 quid megabus return and like get the tube across and shit mental or all. I had like my old suit from like when I used to work at the bank and stuff like that crazy shit did you not get a place though mate did you not get a place at all I don't know I guess so well that's where the banking job helped in it because it teaches you how to put a tie on properly <laughs> and like wear a nice suit and that um, but yeah I did that and then like yeah we ended up like our, on the mega bus back from that weekend because they told us they were going to announce the names and stuff and it didn't sink in. Those two days did not sink so they didn't, in at they all, didn't tell, bro. Like, they didn't tell us who. They didn't tell us who was going to be in the tournament. And then, like, those two days, that Raw and SmackDown that we were there, like, I was just like, what's going on? I remember getting to the hotel, and I was just like, I don't know that many of the guys here, like, that, that were there. I remember messaging uh, Mike Hitchman, Wild Ball, and I was like, bro, where you at? Because I was mates with Mike because of, like, the, the camps. camps. Yeah. So we were doing a lot of stuff on the camps together. So I messaged him and like I remember like he was in his room with Mandrews and like I've not really met Mandrews at the time, I didn't really get on with him. Like I didn't like I didn't know him. Do you know him? I sat down and I was just like, lads, like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> What's going on? And they were they were both just laughing. Um But yeah, like that those two days ended up happening. They didn't tell us about who was in the tournament, so I was just like, Alright, I probably won't be in the tournament because I'm one of the most least like I looked around, I remember because we had that little room, didn't we? Uh where they were doing all the uh, all the taping stuff yeah. for the interviews and the I looked around her and I looked at you and I looked at I looked at Travis, I looked at Wolfgang, Zach, JD. I'm like, these guys are all sick, man. These guys have been wrestling for like ten years, like and like it's weird because like you kind of like, oh, these guys are really good and like I like I was watching I was watching Gavin Progress two years ago. I was like, I saw him come out with his little thing when you lost your NPS to Zach. And he had a little sad face on the thing. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. I was just like, this is weird. But eventually, like, I got comfortable with it. Um, those two days were sick. Catering. Banoffee pie. <laughs> let's, just, let's just put... Let's just make let's sure put we put that pie. in the podcast. That's the most important thing. Um, and then on the Megabus back, um, I was watching the 205 Live uh, that we were on, just, just chilling, watching it on the on the bus. And I got a notification saying, UK, first eight UK tournament announced. And I was just like... I'm not going to be in this. So I watched a video, like, sat on the bus, like, with a bunch of people around me. And, like, they announced, like, seven names. And I was like, all right, maybe I'll be, maybe I'll wait till the Friday because they announced someone the next day. And then they announced Joe. And then they announced me. And I was just like, 
what? I mean, this like what? What's going on here? And then like I like I couldn't I couldn't like you know I couldn't pop massively on a on a mega bus, could I? Um, but then my phone started going off the hook, and because like people started finding out, because at that time no one knew. Like we were down there, but no one really yeah. knew who was. And like I remember, like we sat down and we were just like, "Who do you think? You know, who do you think's got a deal? Who's not? Do you know what I mean?" Like there was a lot of speculation, speculation wasn't there? And then things started coming out. And then, yeah, like, and then I ended up wrestling Zach in the tournament, which was sick. What did your family think about you getting the... Oh, mate, it was massive. Legit, like, when I went and told him, and, like, I got the contract through the post, and, like, my dad started reading the contract. <laughs> of course he did. just like, wow. But, like, like, I think that was a moment, and it took that, and I never, bro, like, two, at that time, well, even now, like, two and a bit years in, I never thought I'd be sat here right now. Do you know what I mean? Like, we sat in a nice hotel in Birmingham, got these tapings tomorrow. It's, like, it's pretty surreal. Um, but you like go, yeah, took a risk and your family was just like. Well, that was it. Like it's one of those things where it's just like everything's moved so fast, and sometimes it takes a bit of time just to like recalibrate your brain to the speed of like how things, how fast things are moving along. And again, it was just timing, because like I got into wrestling at a time where it was about to get into a boom. I got my training in and stuff. I was in the right place at the right time for the Sheffield thing. Carried on working. People started seeing what I was doing. You didn't even like you, didn't, I mean? like, so, like. you didn't go to London and try to follow the like the in crowd or whatever. You went where the work was as well. You went to the you went to the it, To be honest, yeah. There. In my opinion, it was just like I'd rather spend at the time. I'd rather have spent more time up north getting trained by like not to say there's 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 good trainers all over the country. But you knew the um, work was. They knew the work on the. I campuses. knew the work on the camps and stuff like that was up north and like a real like the really good trainers. The guys that are like have been around for years that have successfully. Made a, bring, you know, made a living off British wrestling when there wasn't barely a living to be made. I was like, I go to train with those guys. Like, you know, I was up at Rampage. I'd go down to Joe's. Like, Joe opened his doors. Like, Joe's like Joe saw me at like a title show when I was like thrusting a main event on my first match against like HC Drake. I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but like Joe saw me from there and like spoke to me after. And then like I started going down to drills. I started doing like tryout drills with down at Joe's and stuff. And like he helped me out massively. Um, so all these people have helped me out along the way. All I've done is got in my car and driven to these places. And like that's what I tell like we have like young trainees up north as well. I'm just like first thing you need to do is pass your driving test, get a part time job so you can afford the petrol, drive or everywhere. Or become best friends with somebody like I did who, who passed his driving yeah, test. Yeah, yeah, become best friends. I even like bro. I even came down and trained with Travis a few times. He probably were another side of the toilet right now. <laughs> I drove down because on one of the camps you told me you should Could go down to Fight Club Pro. Um, and like it cost me a lot of money because it was like a two and a half three hour drive but like I ended up going down there three or four times and stuff and I was just, I got like a different vibe and like a different you know way of learning things and I picked up a few things from there as well so like everything kind of came together and helped all I did was get in my car and drive and since, easy enough. And since then you've worked the Royal Albert Hall you did the Albert Hall which is mental we were the first and me and Joe were, we were the first Day, first day, yeah. first day, we were the first, first people. Match. We were no, the first match big. that people saw, man. That's big, man. Um, so it's just these things just keep happening, and like in my own brain, I'm trying to like just keep up with it, and like I'm just like, all right, like this has happened. Like you can you can sit there and be like, oh, this is sick. It's happened all in two years, or you could be like, yep, it's happened. Right, okay, let's knuckle down and let's let's make something out of this, and like you know, it's just that thing of like that, you know, they've hired us all for a reason. We're all here for a reason. Um, some of us have been around for six. Dave Mastiff's been around for what fifteen, sixteen years. 
Well, it's not like me that's been out for two or three years or whatever, but like, we're all here for a reason. So like, I'm just excited to see like, I'm just excited to see what happens next. But like, things have just moved so fast, it's crazy. Like, I was expecting a lot longer road to this, which is kind of weird because like, it's all happening, you should be very appreciative of it, but I'm making a full-time living off wrestling, which I never thought I would be. Back end of last year, I was genuinely looking for work to go back to a normal job because I thought, because I thought, you know what, this wrestling thing might take a bit longer. So like, I'll go back to work and I'll, you know, but then this broke Yeah. Yeah. Uh, How I usually like to wrap these up then is if you were to go back and give your former self any advice or if you give anyone any advice. six months. Or (laughs) if you were to give anyone coming into the business now advice, what would it be? Which is good because you're still still a young wrestler so this Um, this is... this is good. Get around, man. Like, network. There's so many wrestlers that I found, or like so many trainees that I found that are like, yeah, I messaged so and so and I messaged so and so on Facebook. And like, yeah, we're in 2018 and like social media is big and stuff, but there's still nothing better than turning up to a show, helping out with the ring, and like trying to speak to the promoter. Because the more you do it, the more people will be like, who's that guy? And that's what happened with me a lot, like earlier on. Like, like I said, like in 2017, 2016, like I just turn up to shows and help out. Next thing you know, you do it four or five times enough and people will be like, who is that? Do you know what I mean? And yeah. then they'll be like, oh, who are you? Where do you work? Where have you trained and stuff? So, like, I think, like, there should, we need more people to, like, get in cars and get around. It's hard, bro. It's hard. But, again, like, we'll get a group we've all people. done we'll it. Do you know what people, I mean? Yeah. Um, so, like, the that's a big piece of advice is, one, try and find the best training. But, like, to be honest, the UK scene right now is ridiculous. Wherever you are in the country, you can find good training. So, like, Get in a car and like, get in a car and drive and just turn up and like just work hard and like. It's a weird thing. Like it's like a bug, isn't it? Like once you, I don't know when when I when I caught it, I was just like, yeah, let me just give me more. Just keep giving it to me now. Like you know, now the next the next step for me, like I'd love to like, I'd love to go out to Florida and go train at the PC and stuff and see what that's like. Or you know, I'm just itching for more. And like the best thing that's happened through like the WWE thing, it just meant that like, I've been able to wrestle more. And like reps, reps are super important. Get on the camps, for God's sake. That's the biggest piece of advice, isn't it? Yeah. We've both done that. Yeah, right? They help massively. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what I'd say. Get in a car, drive, get everywhere, network, help out with rings. Try and get on the camps. There's so many. There's Mega Slam, uh, Dixon still running camps, NGW Butlins, like Welsh wrestling. Welsh wrestling as well. Uh, Dan- Danny does a bunch of them. Danny and Brennan did. Uh, yeah, they drive. Do, I see them just, driving just, through like weird, crazy country, Welsh countryside. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Six days on the bounce now. Sick. Yeah. Six days back to back yeah, wrestling. Yeah, you're getting paid and you're getting reps in because yeah. like that's the most. And like I'm still at that stage of like you know I've like we've got this WWE thing, but I'm still at a certain stage of a development. Yeah. Where I'm still learning and still trying to you know get my head around wrestling because it takes years. Yeah. So like yeah, just keep your feet on the ground and just fucking. Where can they find you on the internet? Um, Twitter at I am Amir Jordan and Instagram at I am Amir Jordan. No one looks at Facebook, do they really? I, I still do it, but do you keep yours yeah, updated? I do. I've not updated mine in a bad time. That's fair enough. But, uh, but yeah, that's yeah. Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've talked a lot, man. No, I enjoyed it. Real good story. Real Talk different. Fast. Is it real different? different? Yeah, real good? different. Everyone else. Right. And I say it for everyone, but everyone's when I started this everyone's like well you only give me to get 20 episodes this will be episode 88 I think um, I haven't repeated anyone yet yeah, I've still got loads of people I haven't you done you know when we did that cardio thing I'm gonna do um, 
I listen to like five or six of them backlog like that. Oh, got, we should so, like, There's a bunch yeah. of them. Do you know what I mean? Ziggler says that. Uh, Ziggler says that he listens, not my podcast, of course, but he listens to podcasts. No, Ziggler listens to podcasts. But uh, yeah, he Dolph says he, gonna he listen listens to, to podcasts because he said it makes the time pass oh, for him doing stuff. Because I was driving which, by myself um, and I was just like, I listen so. to like Dan. I do it in the car, like, I do it in yeah, the car, yeah. yeah. I'm nah, a big Scroobius Pit fan. But mate, absolute pleasure coming on the show. Cheers, bro. Thank you very much, man. I appreciate it. That was fun, man. How good was that? What I tell you, the guy can talk, talk, talk. And he said to me as well, he's like, oh, he just rambled on. And I think people come on this podcast and they and they sometimes think to themselves it's a it's an interview or stories have got to be concise or they've got to be they've got to be one word answers. And I've had people do that and it, it doesn't make sometimes for an interesting conversation, which is what I like to say. They're not interviews, they're conversational pieces. And somebody like me Jordan who will you know, kind of give you all the little details and we'll kind of go off on tangents, makes the absolute best, and apologies, the uh, train's going past again, but makes the absolute best guest because you're able to kind of really emerge yourself in their stories and what they're saying and their journey. And this is something that a lot of people wouldn't know about. It's something that you definitely wouldn't know from his wrestling and I like to think that we peel back that curtain a little bit and allow you to think that you're sat in the room with us and you're just listening to two people talk. I'm a big fan of the Joe Rogan podcast. I'm a big fan of the Scooby's Pit podcast. And them two do the exact same. It's become one of my favourite things now to listen to podcasts that are not wrestling related. And that's just because I'm so emergent all the time. It's sometimes nice to take myself away from that, especially if I'm doing two to three hour journeys down to wrestling sometimes. But yeah, them two are my favourite podcasts to listen to. And it's because, again, you just like you sat in on a conversation, especially the Rogan one. He just puts it on and and they just sit and they chat for two to three hours and they go on massive tangents. And that's one thing I love about this week's episode with uh, with Amir Jordan. The fact that he gave up uh, a really lucrative and a really well-paying job to to go after his dream. And the fact that he he had to kind of stand there and tell his very strict family that he was going to do that with them not supporting the idea and the fact that he's able to now stand there and say that he's been signed by the WWE and he had a great one as well. Him and Kenny Williams had a great match with the Grizzly Young Vets at NXT UK this weekend so definitely go check that out when it hits your screens. But yeah, he's somebody that's getting better every time I see him. He's full of energy. He loves wrestling and I think this story shows how much he's given up to be a part of this scene and how he deserves that as well. And as I said as well, we spoke in brief about the uh, about when he made his debut at Progress and there was people dancing. And as good as social media can be, some people out there can take offence. And again, he didn't belittle that person. He didn't say, oh, you shouldn't get offended. He understood. He understood why that person got offended. But as he said on his, uh, as he said on the podcast, he was just saying that he wanted to be celebrated and he's, he's happy that people want to join in and, and immerse themselves in his culture. And I said to him, I thought it was a very, very professional and a very grown-up approach to a subject that could have got blown out of hand so big up for him and big up for coming on the show as well and giving us a a great podcast because I really did enjoy sitting there till two in the morning and chatting with me and Jordan big thanks if you have enjoyed the show please be sure to check out our sponsors pinsandknucklesmerch.com t-shirts embroidery subliminal printing flags they do it all go check them out of course if they don't do anything you need or you don't really need that stuff, you know, because it's, it's pretty good for merch. But, you know, stag do's and stuff like that. If it doesn't really tick boxes, then uh, when you head over to morganwebster.pickartel.com and pick up a T-shirt from over there. 
that'd be much appreciated because that really would help me. Uh, of course, as I say every week, I do understand that not everyone can afford to give anything, but maybe you cheeky shout out on the social media. If you enjoyed this week's episode, be sure to tell uh, me and Jordan you've done that. And be sure to tweet me too. It's at Flash underscore Morgan on the Twitter, Facebook.com forward slash Flash Morgan Webster. I'm at Flash Morgan Webster on the Instagram. And if you want to book me for any upcoming seminars, gigs, events, live wrestling friends, or maybe you just want to send me a little email and tell me how much you enjoyed the show, because I really do love reading those emails, then please send it all to flashmorgan at live.co.uk. Thanks, people. Okay, um, as I said, big thanks to Pins and Knuckles merch, big thanks to Amir Jordan, and big thanks to you lot for listening. I'm currently outside the house because... Uh, I didn't want to go in and start shouting and bawling. And as I said before, the car sometimes makes a uh, a great little sound booth. So I'm about to go in the house, uh, start laying this down, get it edited, and this shall drop tomorrow morning. So uh, big thanks to you all for listening. I hope you have a great weekend. And it's always a pleasure, always a treasure. And bye. Thanks for stopping by. Later, people. <laughs> <laughs>